So we are not doing a traditional sermon today. We are inviting some of our friends up to share. So um, Allison and Anita and Bethany, if you guys would come on up. We've got a little panel discussion. Awesome. As Anita makes her way, I'll just, um, yeah. So this week is our last week talking about our relational values. And we've gone through those last week. We, um, Keith Cross preached, preached a wonderful message on courageous generosity. And um, today we are focusing on radical compassion. Um, there are a lot of people, as I look around this room, who live out this value of radical compassion. And it looks um, different for a lot of us. Um, ben and I were thinking about this message. We just thought this is a time to hear from some other people um, rather than a typical sermon. So these ladies, God put them on our hearts and um, we invited them and they all said yes. So we were excited. Um, yeah, so we're going to have a little interview format, what it looks like. Um, to live out this value of radical compassion, um, biblically and practically. Um, so, I'm going to sit down. <laughs> um, let's start off by introducing yourselves. You just share your name and your profession, and also, um, yeah, how long you've attended our church, just to give some context for everybody. Um, hi, I'm Allison. <laughs> um, I've been going to Antioch for five years now, um, and I am. I work for an organization called Teach Beyond. Um, I'm a work from home missionary, which is a weird concept. Um, but I essentially what Teach Beyond does, I'm just going to explain a little bit because some of what I have to say later kind of relies on you understanding what I do for work. Um, so Teach Beyond is an organization that sends out teachers uh, internationally um, into Christian schools, but also into national schools. Um, and so we're sending, uh, we're, we're, we're hoping for transformational education, right? Um, providing good education to people who need it and showing God's love through education. So what I do within that, I'm not a teacher. Um, and I work from home. So I, um, I actually do policy development, training development, and um, crisis management or responses for child safety. So developing, yeah, again, developing policies and things like that to make sure that all of our teachers are making sure that all of the students that they're serving are safe and well cared for. Um, so that's, that's a little bit about what I do. And my name is Bethany, and I work for Amira, which is a safe home for women who have experienced human trafficking in their life, and for sometimes the first time are experiencing safety and wanting to, to walk in recovery with the, whatever that looks like for them. And my job specifically is to be a spiritual mentor, to be a friend. I do a lot of things that I walk away from a shift being like, I can't believe I got paid to do that, you know? I get to, yeah, <laughs> so many wonderful stories, but also a lot of hard things as well. And, uh, and that's, yeah. How long have you been at? Oh, thank you. I've been here for about one and a half years. 
which is wonderful. But a handful of you I have known since about 20 years ago, which is also wonderful. <laughs> and uh, I think that's it. Yeah. I'm Anita, and I've been at uh, this church for about 12 years, and currently I'm involved in several volunteer roles with um, meals for the homeless in Beverly, uh, Northeast Animal Shelter, and in the summers I work for local farms. Awesome. Thanks, ladies. Um, so just to kick it off, when you hear the term radical compassion, what comes to mind? I guess I'm stuck starting every question, <laughs> huh? You can mix it up later. <laughs> Pressure's on. Um, yeah, so when I think of radical compassion, um, it's about uh, giving, giving even when it's hard, uh, of yourself, of your time, of your resources, um, and and within that, relying on Jesus to do so. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's the first thought that I have. Awesome. I recently learned in a breakout session at World Mandate that another definition of radical means to go to the root, to go to the foundation of what, um, what that word means. And so radical compassion can mean going back to the root of what Jesus says compassion is. And just basically saying... I can't do it without him because I need to see his example of how he's doing it. And for me, when I hear that phrase, it just reminds me, Jesus said, whatever you do for the least of these, uh, you do it for me. And so that's, that to me sums it up pretty well. Awesome. Thanks so much. Um, let's put up that definition, or not definition, ex explanation of what we mean in Antioch is what, what we value when we say we value radical compassion. So the little subtitle is engaging brokenness with the heart of Jesus, which you talked about. Um, so I'm just going to read that. Jesus looked at broken humanity through the lens of love and responded with compassion he loved everyone just as they needed to be loved. We follow Jesus' lead by seeing the world through God's grace-filled eyes and becoming real-time messengers of his grace, hope, and healing. And underneath that, there's a whole bunch of scripture references. One was Psalm 146 that we said as our call to worship this morning. And we're going to hear... Um, we're going to hear a little bit more about some of those scriptures in a little bit. Um, but before we get to that, um, I just would love to hear Bethany and Allison. So you, you both, your profession really, there's a lot of compassion that goes into your profession. Um, how, how have you seen your workplace engage with um, brokenness in the world and respond with radical compassion? Yeah, so... Um Within my work, I'm responding to uh, children who have been harmed, situations where um, they have been abused or just harmed in some way, they've been impacted, right? And so on the one hand, I'm, I'm working with that side of the population, but I'm also working with the people who have caused the harm. Um, and so working and, and making sure that um, they know that they are still 
like oftentimes, right, it's employees um, that I'm working with. It's kind of like a, an HR situation. Um, and so making sure that those employees know that they are still loved by God um, despite the harm that they've caused and that they, um, and, and really um, emphasizing restorative justice within that. Um, and that's a hard thing to do. <laughs> um, and that doesn't always mean that those people are going to continue working with Teach Beyond. That doesn't always, like restorative justice looks different for every situation, right? And so I can never say like, oh, this is always what we're going to do because every situation is so different. Um, and so it's it's interacting with each situation. It's making sure that we're valuing and, and emphasizing that restorative justice throughout that um, and, and really showing that radical compassion even when it's the people who are causing harm. Um, and I kind of think of that as like the opposite side. I also volunteer at Amira, um, and I think of that as like the opposite side of, of what Bethany's doing and, and the work that we're doing at Amira, like interacting directly with the people harmed. Um, yeah, and so it's, yeah, kind of the other side of that coin. With the population of women that we serve, it's um, overwhelming sometimes to see the brokenness that they have gone through and that they are encountering now, maybe that they've shoved down and didn't want to think about, didn't want to deal with, and now they're intentionally saying, I want to know what healing is. I want to walk through healing. And compassion to me looks like how Jesus got down on the level of every person that he encountered who was broken, but he also didn't change who he was when he encountered them. So he remained the savior, even going to the broken. Um, thinking about like the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, he literally went down to her level on the ground with her, but he rose her up because he didn't change who he was. He, in, he introduced her to who he was in that broken place. And so the compassion of, I'm gonna see you, I'm going to value you, and I'm going to walk with you in the level you are at right now, but I don't wanna just let you stay there. I wanna walk with you through the process of getting up and getting out. And that takes a lot of compassion because it's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard to see someone else who doesn't have compassion for themselves. So in a way, when we are saying, I see that you've made a mistake today and you're disappointed because yesterday you were doing great and you're being really hard on yourself, I can show you compassion, I, meaning I'm not shoving you away, I'm not expecting something of you that is too much. I'm walking with you, but I'm also walking in expectation that you can make a choice to come out of this place as well. Um, and along those lines, we have to have compassion with ourselves as workers because it is very difficult. <laughs> can, I, can I actually just add? Sorry. Um, just uh, kind of a more practical um, thought about justice, um, and because I mentioned restorative justice, um, Tim Keller says in one of his books, um, to do justice means to go places where the fabric of shalom has broken down, where the weaker members of societies are falling through the fabric and to repair it. And then he says, um, 
And so how can we do that? The only way to reweave and strengthen the fabric is by weaving yourself into it. Human beings are like threads thrown together onto a table. If we keep our money, time, and power to ourselves, for ourselves, instead of sending them out into our neighbors' lives, then we may be literally on top of one another, but we are not interwoven socially, relationally, financially, or emotionally. Reweaving shalom means to sacrificially thread, lace, and press your time, goods, power, and resources into the lives and needs of others. So just as a, like a, a more practical like definition of what I'm trying to talk about. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for sharing both of your experiences and just how, how you're loving people well, like Jesus did and does. Um, so Anita, this next question's for you. I know you've volunteered with Amira, and, um, but Anita also lives out a life of radical compassion in a lot of ways um, and through a lot of intentional choices that she makes in her personal life. So I'd love for you to share about what that looks for you, looks like for you in your daily life. Well, I could really preach a whole sermon on just this topic, but I will control myself. Um, you know, the last thing I want to do today is dump a whole bunch of shoulds and should nots on you. I've been on this journey a long time, and as Katie said, um, I was part of the group that started Amira, um, and all of the people that I worked with on that and... Um, it's funny, I'm still in touch with many of them, but we've all kind of taken the same journey, is when you peel back injustice in one area, then you begin to see injustice in all these other areas as well. And so that is why now um, I'm basically a pain in the butt about um, <laughs> the environment and organic and um, you know, just trying to live an ethical lifestyle as much as I can. But um, so um, on a practical level, I just wanted to mention a couple of um, things uh, that I do. Um, so um, I know I'm trying to condense stuff here, sorry. Um, so what we're talking about here, the things that lead to exploitation, a lot of it is Poverty, you know, um, that is a huge part of it, and lack of education also um, in third world countries. And so there's two charities that I give to that um, I'd like to mention. And so, Toby, if you could put up the one about Charity Water. And um, so I don't know if you've heard of this. Um, I learned about this group about five years ago. Um, I read the book, Thirst, and Scott Harrison, he is a believer. Um, so what his group does is they go to these uh, countries and they um, build wells for people who don't have clean water. And his, he is just so determined that every person in this world is gonna have access to clean water. And um, so before he comes, the women and the girls in these, in these communities, they have to go and get water. They spend hours every day just getting water and bringing it back. And, um, and then it's dirty water. They do all this work for dirty water. And so when they build a well in these communities, everything changes. 
So now people aren't getting sick, you know, like the breadwinners aren't getting sick and dying. Um, the kids aren't dying. The kids are going to school. The girls are going to school. And so it's, it's just, it addresses the root cause. Um, so, you know, this is one way if you want to. What's very unique about Scott is he got a lot of his wealthy friends together and they cover all the operational costs of this group, all the salaries, everything. So every penny that you give goes directly to building wells, which is amazing. amazing. This guy's he's such a go-getter about this. Um, then the next one I want to mention um, is uh, Hope International, um, a Christian group which does microfinancing. Um, probably most of you know what that is, but if you don't, it means that um, they loan money to people that the banks wouldn't loan money to them because they don't have collateral. And so these uh, poor people, um, they start businesses, they expand businesses, and um, again, it's transformative because it lifts them out of poverty. It breaks the cycle. So instead of just taking a handout, they don't want handouts. They want to be able to work and feed their families just like anybody else. So it gives them dignity. And um, they also uh, lead Bible studies with these people as well. So they come to know the Lord. So again, it's, um, it's just a wonderful way that you can really, you know, start to change the world. So, yeah. And then I just have the next slide I just wanted to mention is this is, you know, so important. It's like a child whose, sorry, parents are employed and who goes to school is less likely to be trafficked, you know. And so that's what it's all about. Um, and I'm going to say more later, but that's it for now. Thanks, Anita. Um, so one, yeah, so one way you live your life is by organizations that you give to. Could, do you want a minute? Or can you speak to maybe per, like purchases that you make, why you make certain choices for what you buy, where you buy, how you buy it? I didn't want to hog the microphone. No, I mean, this is great. Okay, so um, the next slide, Toby, is it? Uh, next one. Yeah. So this is... <laughs> the, your toilet paper can change the world. How about that? <laughs> so, yes, I buy my toilet paper online through this company. They are hilarious in their marketing campaign. What's that? No more plastic packaging. <laughs> That's right. No plastic packaging. And um, as you can see, it says 50% of their profits go to build toilets in third world countries. And again, sanitation changes the health of, of a community. And so it's just, it's, it's wonderful. And um, so I did, uh, I did bring stuff with me here to give away. So... Uh, <laughs> If anybody would oh, like to try some toilet paper, come get it. anybody want toilet paper, you can you, run up. Yep, you just got to run up and come and get it. You got to be bold if you want it. And, it's um, free. Anita's giving stuff oh. away. <laughs> Wait, I, got, I got another one. She's got another one. And, uh, there's, uh, no plastic. There's, there's more giveaways coming, so, you know, <laughs> so, you know, you may want to hold off for now. Uh, anyways. So that's, that's an easy thing you can do. You can buy your toilet paper online, but you do have to think ahead, obviously, uh, to do that. 
So, um, so then, um, I know, I just, again, feel like I'm hogging everything, but I'm going to be quick. Okay, next slide, Toby. I love you, Anita. <laughs> okay, fair trade products. Um, again, you probably know what this is, but it just means that the companies um, pay attention to make sure that their workers are, are getting paid. And unfortunately, a lot of companies are either doing very cheap or slave labor. Um, for These are just some of the products um, that, you know, coffee, chocolate, tea, sugar. So again, you can buy fair trade products. And, um, and I, I know you're thinking, well, aren't those more expensive? And I'm like, yes, they are. <laughs> and it, it's because somebody actually got paid. Um, and I was going to have Bonnie Miriam share, but she's not here today because her kids are sick. But she buys fair trade products, and you all know she has six kids. So, you know, if she can make that a priority, um, you know, a lot of us can do that. Okay, and then uh, one more. Let's see. Keep going. Okay, I just have to say a few words about plastic because, you know, you know I get all in a tiz tizzy about plastic cups and you know, whatever. So, just very quickly, every piece of plastic that was ever made is still here unless it's been burned and creates toxic fumes, as you might know if you're paying attention to the news in Ohio. Um, and so, you know, these plastic companies, they are not gonna stop doing this because they wanna make money, they don't care. You know, the only way that it's gonna stop is either the government is gonna say, okay, no more plastic, um, or, you know, it's going to get so bad, like we can't even walk down the street without plastic piled up like snowdrifts. Um, or, you know, we can stop buying single-use products, at least single-use. I mean, obviously, I'd like to see it more, but, you know. So you can start making those changes. And uh, next slide, Toby. I think I already covered this. Yeah, next one. So um, I just wanted to introduce you to Sabrina Eau Claire. She's a local woman. Um, she's just passionate about zero waste. And um, she has a store in Beverly and Danvers. And um, so actually, can you hold this microphone? I have a few more giveaways from Unpacked Living. Yep. Um, thank you. Okay, so. If you want something, you better yeah, start yeah. getting ready First to move. First of all, we have um, a non-plastic sponge. Um, all the sponges you buy in the grocery store, they are made of plastic. This is not... <laughs> All right, Melanie. Okay. Um, this is a silicone baking mat. And so you use this instead of foil, instead of parchment paper. And you can... <laughs> She's got it, Amy. <laughs> We've got a few more. Hold on. Let's see. What else do I have in here? Oh, yeah. Are you a person who has reusable bags, but you always forget them? <laughs> this is yours. You can keep that. You can you can hook it to your belt. Um, and so I keep that. I keep mine in my purse. And so if I forget all my other bags, I've always got that one, which is cool. Um, I don't. Again, I don't want to take up all this time. So I think I'll hold off on the other items. That's great. That's and, great. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much, okay. Anita. That's awesome. So we've got a variety of ways that people are compassionate here. And um, so I mentioned all those scriptures that 
we referenced earlier. Um, and I asked these ladies when we met, we met this week to talk about this panel. And I, I said, take some time and pray about what scripture um, you feel like really speaks to you when you think about radical compassion, um, what, what part of the word of God. And it was so funny. I was like, we don't have to do it right this second. Like you can get back to me on this. And they all, they were like, no, like this is my life verse. <laughs> like this is like, they all had a verse that was that immediate. So, um, yeah, I'd love for you to share. Um, yeah, just share the scripture if you wouldn't mind reading it. it we do have them up on the screen. Um, and what, what do you see about God's character? Um, and how does that passage inform your, your life or your work? Yeah, so I've got Isaiah 58, um, the book of Isaiah in general. Great read. Um, <laughs> highly recommend. Um, but um, so... The, the chapter kind of starts uh, with saying, hey, you guys have been fasting. You know, that's super cool of you. Um, you've been doing it wrong. <laughs> uh, you know, like you, you've been selfish. You've been, um, yeah, just kind of focused on, on what you think is the good that you're doing, right? Um, and then you ask, well, why isn't God, you know, acting on my behalf uh, and, and all that? And, and it goes on and he says, well, yeah, so, so, you know, your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. Uh, you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Um, and then it goes on to say, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? So this is the kind of fasting that, that we want to be doing. Um, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break, uh, will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. So I know that's, that's more than, than, than what <laughs> is, is there, but it, I mean, it is, I, I don't even know what more I can say about about that um other than like if that doesn't strike you like if 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 you sit with that like sit sit with it for a moment and like really think about what that means for you like how how can you be interacting with these things um and just I don't know if there's is there I don't, well, I, I have another thought, and, and I'm just going to share it now just because I don't... <laughs> Go for it. I trust um, you. <laughs> great. Um, but, yeah, so, um, and I, I know that you're kind of hearing, you're hearing all this from us, and it's like, one, for me and Bethany, it's like, this, this is our jobs, right? <laughs> like, this is, this is, we get paid to do this. Um, and then, Anita, like, you're, you're hearing all these things that are, that are things that you can give to, that you can get involved in, that you can do, and that sounds really overwhelming and I get that so much like it's it's okay if you can't like you can't do everything actually like you you won't be able to get involved in all of the things that we're talking about there just isn't enough time there isn't enough money you can't do it all and that's where um where you need to be discerning about where God wants you to put your time and resources, your, where, where he wants you to place your power. 
your money, your, again, everything, right? So be discerning about where God is calling you to specifically. Pray about that. And then the other thing is that as your interaction, as you're interacting with, um, with radical compassion, as you're interacting with the injustice of the world, right, you're, you're seeing the, the brokenness. Um, you need to lament. And that is something that is so often overlooked. You know, in, in social work, we, we call it self-care or something like that. Um, but in a Christian context, that's a lament, right? Giving those worries up to God. Um, and I have just a couple of quotes about that. Um, Um, so Soon Chan Ra, Ra in Prophetic Lament writes, Lament challenges the church to acknowledge real suffering and plead with God for his intervention. But the evangelical culture moves too quickly to praise from lament. Instead, we opt for quick and easy answers to complex issues. But lament cannot and must not be ignored. It is the desperate plea for God's intervention that arises out of lament that reveals a flickering glimpse of hope. Do we still have the ability to worship even as our faith is being tested? Or do we rush to praise even in the absence of lament? So really, I, you know, if, if you haven't considered lament, lamentations is a good place to start. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, highly, highly recommend uh, Soon John Ra, actually. Uh, prophetic lament. You can talk to Patrick about that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah um, thanks for yeah, sharing so, that. Yeah. Yeah. So just wanted to mention that. Um, yeah. It's awesome. I mean, yeah, so sometimes when we talk about issues of injustice and pain and brokenness in the world it can it can be overwhelming um but we live in this in this world where there's still sin there's still brokenness and we're we're in between we still praise god because he is god and he never changes and he is good but we we still go to him um in these places places of pain um and in prayer um so yeah, thank you for sharing that, Allison. Um, Bethany, do you want to share from the scripture that meant a lot to you? Yeah, this is Isaiah chapter 61, and the verses are just one through four. And this has been um, a passage of scripture that has been so riveting in my life. <laughs> and only recently, however, did I kind of notice that it's, there's a difference of who they're talking about in verses one through three and then beginning in verse four. So see if you can recognize the difference. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me, capital M, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Verses one through three are about Jesus. 
He is the one who fulfills that. That he is the one who is anointed to set us free in every layer of our life. And then verses 4 begins talking about those that he has set free saying they will rebuild old ruins. They will, they will speak to desolations and ruin places and cause even generations to rise up and follow him. Not to follow us, but to follow him who does all the stuff in one through three, right? So along with that, Jesus calls us to be his bride, to operate with him in the utmost and radical compassion, going to the root of who he says he is and what he does. But we are never needing to draw them to our self-compassion. We are only drawing others to him and his compassion. And this is incredible because it sets us free. John chapter 15 talks about without him, we can do nothing, but abiding with him, naturally those fruits of the spirit are gonna come. And honestly, I think that um, verse four of John 15, the tail end says, without me, you can do nothing. I'm like, oh, that's so freeing. <laughs> Even getting up here to speak today, I felt more nervous than I ever have, I think. But it's, you know, it's just coming to that place of like, it's okay. I, he's not expecting me to do it on my own. I literally can't. I cannot provide anything of the Spirit without the Spirit. And I cannot operate underneath Jesus' example without Jesus. <laughs> so with all the things we're speaking of, we're saying go back to the root. And maybe if we haven't experienced verses 1 through 3 for ourselves, that's a good place to start, right? Like, Lord, will you continue to set me free? Will you continue to preach that good news to my heart that the gospel is real and that it's not my works, but it is completely you? And then out of that place, overflow with, oh, there's a ruined place here. There's a desolation. There's generations that are in need. Jesus, you're able. And go to that place together with him. Yeah. Preach it. <laughs> so good. Um, I will be very brief. Um, the translation of my verse, I didn't like it. It's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not the one we I memorized. We all have our favorite translations. So, um, Toby, if you could put up um, the one that I sent you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, James, you know, he's the practical one, so I love him. Um, <laughs> but... I like this verse because what it says is true religion in the sight of God is, um, and you could have finished that sentence in many different ways, um, but the way he chose to say it was, is to uh, look after widows and orphans in their distress. And of course, you know, what that means is any vulnerable people. Um, and so that, um, yeah, that's why I do the stuff I do. Thank you. Um, wow. This was awesome. Um, I feel like we could like keep going for a while, but um, just in the interest of time, I think we will pause there. But if you have, yeah, so if you have one like final thought that you want to share with the congregation, let's, let's do that. Your final parting words. <laughs> okay. Toby, the last slide I have, I think. Good job, Toby. I know. Yeah. Thank God for him. Yeah.
Yep. So I just wanted to end with these. These are really easy. Anybody can do these. So you know, you could get a water bottle if you don't already have one. Um, you can visit Unpacked Living. Please do visit my friend Sabrina. The store in Danvers, especially, you know, it's 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 been a little harder to get that off the ground. Um, so just go in there, buy something, and talk to her. And. Uh, you can read a book, like Thirst is awesome. It's such a fast, easy read. It's at the Gordon College Library. I donated my copy there. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and you can just start buying good products. Um, Newman's Own, that's another easy way. Just buy a different brand of spaghetti sauce and you are helping people. So that's it. Awesome, thank you. What's that? The book, Thirst. Oh, the book Thirst by Scott Harrison. Um, you can. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Let me know what you think. <laughs> awesome. Bethany, last final thought. You don't have to do it on your own, and you can't do it on your own. Uh, I'm going to steal a quote from the Puritan prayer book. Um, Grant me to rest on thy power and faithfulness, and to know that there are two things worth living for, to further thy cause in the world, and to do good to the souls and bodies of men. This is my ministry, my life, my prayer, my end. Grant me the grace that I shall not fail. Amen. Thanks. Let's give these ladies a round of applause. Thank them for their... Awesome. So appreciative of you guys taking your time and just the way that you live out your lives as radic radically compassionate people. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to pass this over to Ben to... Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's give him another round of applause. That was awesome. I'd love to invite the band to come on up as we... Uh, as we consider response time. Um, uh, just one thing that I really appreciated about all three of your sharing, ladies, was just, um, as many of you acknowledge, it's easy to get overwhelmed with all of this, right? And, and what I appreciate is there was no condemnation. Everything is layered in grace, which is just what the Father prescribes as well. And so there are some real practical opportunities for us to respond, as we saw through some of the slides. Um, but one of the themes that I heard over and over again was breaking the cycle, breaking the chain. And we have some practical examples to do that, but ultimately just think about what Jesus came and did. It was to break the cycle of sin that was in the world. And how did he do that? Through his death and resurrection. Amen? So, a couple opportunities for response. Number one, please consider how this can practically look in your own life. I think every one of the ladies said, you know, hey, you don't have to do it all. In fact, it's probably almost impossible to do it all. But maybe there's something that you can do as a way to be a minister of reconciliation to this broken world. 
There's also an opportunity in that maybe some people here feel, maybe they feel hopeless or are feeling these feelings of despair. And this morning as we were praying and actually independently, three different people shared something along those lines about, um, hey, if, if you're feeling like you're hopeless or that... Um, you have a lot of despair in your life. We have people who want to pray for you because Jesus is the one who came to do it all, to restore the brokenhearted. And, and so if that speaks to you, or maybe you need to consider that, then we would love to pray with you for that. Okay. Um, and so that's definitely one of the opportunities for response. And, um, and then, he, then again, just let's worship the Lord together. And I invite you to ask him, Lord, what do you want to say to me about this? How do you want me to engage? How can I be radically compassionate to the people in my own life? To some of the causes that are available to us? Lord, what does that look like for me as a minister of reconciliation for this world? Let's worship. Let's worship the Lord. Let's respond. There are people on the sides. John's over here. Got Brian over there. I'd love to pray with you as well. Um, and, um, And let's go ahead and respond in song and worship.